This is Career Conversations with Kelly, a podcast brought to you by Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business that explores careers and professional development by showcasing successful business leaders in the Philadelphia region. And now, here is your host, Kelly Diley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Career Conversations with Kelly. I'm Kelly Diley, Assistant Director of Graduate Career Services with Drexel University's LeBeau College of Business. Joining me today for episode four is Stacy Mosley. She's the founder and CEO of Stepwise Analytics. That's a real estate analytics company. We're going to talk about the world of analytics as it relates to real estate and hear about Stacy's journey in becoming an entrepreneur. Welcome, Stacy, and thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And as always, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, just going to get right into it as usual. I asked Stacy to be a guest because she's an entrepreneur in the analytics world. And this is one of the fastest growing industries out there today. And it's providing people with phenomenal career opportunities. My students are also involved in this space. I oversee the MS in business analytics program here at Drexel LeBeau. So I just thought this was a wonderful topic, a fabulous guest. And Stacy, can you just talk a little bit about your background and ultimately what led you to decide to become an entrepreneur? So I have always been very interested in math and science and building things. Um, when I was younger, I really loved physics and I ended up going to Northwestern University for uh, a discipline that was fairly new at the time um, called manufacturing and design engineering. Mm. And I fell in love with having real clients. So alumni from the university would come to them with various projects for freshmen through seniors to work on. And I was able to get, um, really sink my teeth into those very tactical projects early on. And it was a joy from thereafter. Um, So during that time, I was very, very focused on producing physical goods. So we had, for example, clients from the Rehabilitation Institute of Chicago who might have physical disabilities Mm. and wanted to be able to fish or wanted to be able to write again if they were missing limbs or had a stroke. Um, And we were tasked with coming up with different devices that might actually solve those problems. Um, We similarly had, for my senior thesis, a very random project with the Shedd Aquarium um, where we were trying to create a toy for dolphins, um, <laughs> which was also awesome. very fun. <laughs> um, but but yeah, got to got to play around in the water and do all sorts of uh, mechanical and pneumatic work um, as well as electrical components and bringing a team together. And so through all of those different projects, I've always loved uh, being able to see the bigger picture and see how all of the pieces might fall in line together. And I really feel like as I then went on to start my career, that I really enjoyed being in the center of things. Um, my mm-hmm. first job out of college was at Ticket Leap, which is a startup in the Philadelphia area. Okay. Um, and they were about five or six years old when I was hired. Uh, it was a staff of 20 people. And I came in as a creative consultant and was essentially helping them expand their their space at the time. So they had just received a bunch of money and they wanted to start running out the second floor of a building that they were in. And they were going to start just hiring like crazy. 
So I was tasked with trying to help coordinate construction and kind of seamlessly rearrange where all of the departments were and stayed on after that in product management, um, which had been very much uh, related to my background. Mm. So that was a lovely and trying experience because you're you're thrown into the startup world um, first year out of college and I wanted to see things from all of those different sides and it was a position in which I could. Um, being in product development, you're you're constantly trying to get feedback from the business development side of things. How are sales going? Mm-hmm. What do the what do the clients actually want out of the product? Um, how is the technology team functioning? Are they able to finish the tasks that they've already been been given? How does the executive team feel about how quickly that's moving and what their prerogatives are? Um, so I was fortunate, for better or worse, to see quite a breadth of that while I was there. Um, And over the course of the year, we had to pursue more funding. Um, Mm -hmm. They grew twice in size to over 40 people. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, they weren't meeting their targets and ended up having to lay off about half of the staff. Mm -hmm. And I was laid off in the process. Um, So while I was interested in really pursuing uh, business in the startup community, I was kind of just telling myself I needed to put things on hold because basically the recession had hit. Mm-hmm. Um, after after that first year in, in the startup world and kind of seeing how volatile it was, mm. I stepped back a little bit um, and, you know, having to look for a new job was at the time trying to find something that was mission oriented. I ended up working for the city of Philadelphia for about, I found myself there for five years unexpectedly. Um, I thought that it was just kind of a stopover and in the long term, it, it will look like a stopover in my life. Um, but it was at the time, something that was really curious to me because, you know, during the recession, there was so much agony and grief over the economy. And one of the Mm. most immediate, uh, elements of that that you see on the ground every day is real estate. Um, so I was at the time taking the train back and forth from uh, the suburbs of Philadelphia to downtown pretty frequently and was seeing kind of that spectrum of going from the beautiful suburbs to all of a sudden seeing the backs of row homes caving in in North Philadelphia oh, right, and right. then you're plopped into Center City with the skyscrapers surrounding you. And I had this constant fascination and I was kind of like, why, why isn't anybody taking down these buildings? Like what is preventing people from being able to like, if it's so bad, why don't they just take it down? Um, And I, in kind of searching for my next gig, started researching which departments impacted real estate at, at a city level. So for us, it became very much a data oriented question of, okay, we need to curate all of this information from other departments and figure out, are these people in a good financial situation? Are they even alive? Um, Where might they live that's not this vacant property? Um, And when you're talking about 25,000 addresses, you need a way to manage all of that information. Um, And I ended up teaching myself how to do database management so that we could really start like cutting through 
all of that, all of that data. Um, so this does get to my entrepreneurial spirit a little bit further down the <laughs> road, I swear. Um, but it was essentially having like a little startup within the city government entity, which was really fun. And while I was doing that, I was becoming so familiar with all of these signs and signals of what was happening on the ground, but through my computer. And then I would go home every day and see properties that we had our inspectors go to that were on my list that were then being renovated by contractors. And I just started thinking about, well, what if what if the private sector could have all of this very, very granular information to understand, okay, like this investment, this property is going to be worthwhile now because it's going to appreciate or there's so much activity and investment taking place here. You know, here are all of the other assets that need to be rehabilitated right around it as well. And so there were some there were some signals that this was going to be a possibility and that there really was this opportunity in the market. And after the five years that I was in city government, um, I left my job to to pursue this idea. And it was not without like a lot of preparation. Okay. Sure. <laughs> um I was at that point pretty well connected in the tech community here in Philly and had a few folks who had successful startups that I went to after putting together a business plan to say, okay, does this, does this feel like a good idea? Like shoot holes in it. Tell me what's mm-hmm. wrong. Tell me what I'm not thinking about. Um, and of course they could only come from so much context themselves, but I started getting positive, positive feedback from them. And then I had a good friend of mine mention that Y Combinator, which is an accelerator program out in San Francisco was doing a like mini grant program where instead of their months long accelerator, they were having this, this mini session that would only be like eight weeks and you would get like a $25,000 stipend and there was only seven days to apply. And I was just like, all right, fine. I will, I will take a swing at it. (laughs) And I ended up getting an interview and I was kind of I was kind of over the moon because I was like, oh my gosh, like these are, these people are very, like there's very real VCs that are curious about this concept that I have, like maybe I should really just leave my job and start doing this. And so like a month later I did. Um, and that was, that was the beginning of, of Stepwise. That is so awesome. I mean, first of all, <laughs> taking a chance like that. I'm totally impressed. Thank you. Very, very impressed. And I'll be honest with you. I know <laughs> I I said this, I think, when I first met you and your partner. I know very little about real estate. So this is also a learning experience yeah. for me. And I would imagine other listeners as well. So can you tell us just a little bit about Stepwise? Yeah. Um, as well as, you know, what are some triumphs and struggles that you face as an entrepreneur? Yeah. So, so Stepwise is a real estate analytics company. We help investors and developers quickly find and evaluate investment opportunities. And an investor can be representative of a breadth of things. Um, that can be somebody who's interested in owning their own home. It could be someone who has a, has a home and wants to have a different type of investment outside of their 401k and have like a rental property okay. on the side. 
Um, but at its core, it's really focused on that development community that's doing the work, taking something that hasn't been revived in a while and sprucing it up and fixing it up and giving it a new life again. Um, and so we specialize in helping people do that in urban markets where there's a plethora of data for us to play with. And what we do is we make that information very accessible, both in a very very Zillow-like search application mm -hmm. where you can filter through all of these different dimensions, whether it's how long ago the property last sold or how big it is or what the use is and geographically where it's located. Um, and then we also have these very detailed automated reports that track all of the market trends that are happening around the asset. So you'll see everything about the permit and violation history for that specific property, but then you'll also get a really rich context to the volume of sales activity and how prices have been trending, what kind of construction has been going on around the asset. So if you have a property that maybe is just a vacant lot right now, but you're starting to see a lot of new construction, this vacant lot might be something that could be developed into a brand new building again. Um, so that has been kind of our, our bread and butter for mm. the last few years. And this year in particular, 2018 specifically, we sunk even further into what the, what the value of these properties actually is. So in terms of triumphs, I will say that we had one of our first big wins as an organization um, by getting our first round of funding in January of 2018. Nice. That was really exciting and was really special and meant that we could pay ourselves and also <laughs> hire two more people. Awesome. Um, that is so, a big win. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we weren't just kind of flailing about trying to, <laughs> trying to make things work, um, which there is merit for sure in, in that flailing and, and having to <laughs> figure out how to survive. Um, but it was, it was very exciting to be able to start expanding the team and having more hands on deck to do all of the things that we want to be doing. Absolutely. Um, Struggles for sure happen every single day, though, um, mm. because even with a bit of capital, there's so much more that you want to do than you can with maybe just four people like we are right now. Okay. Um, so you have your plans and then knowing that on any given day, your distribution of resources might have to change and you're shuffling around your priorities and really trying to keep the long-term vision in mind and keep everybody moving in the same direction uh, is is certainly a daily uh, exercise, <laughs> for sure. Right, right. Um, so I think in addition to that, another struggle as an entrepreneur is at our stage, really trying to find that product market fit. It's critical for the success of any company to make sure that what you are building and what you've conceived of is really meeting an economic goal and function in the market. So part of what I talk about on this podcast is networking success stories and the importance of networking, right? That even if we don't want to do it, it is a necessary evil, okay? And when you and I first were talking about the interview, you mentioned to me that you fall somewhere in between being an introvert and an extrovert. So as a former introvert, can you share a success story with our listeners that you've experienced through networking? Of course. So 
I will say my my entree into networking <laughs> I love was it. very much oriented around uh, an organization called Young Involved Philadelphia, which is of course here in Philly, um, and it was it was an organization that was basically intended to get millennials, like 20-somethings, early 30-somethings, you know, in the same room, either in a very happy hour-like setting or in a setting where they could brainstorm about all of the grand ideas and ideals that they have for the nonprofit world and all the changes that they're going to make in the community. And it was something where they would bring in speakers that, you know, were much more seasoned people in their 50s and 60s here in the in the area to talk about um, their expertise. And it was a very open environment where I could approach something at a very junior junior level, feel that kind of connection to Philly's older gravitas of uh, of knowledgeable individuals, and then also have an opportunity to start really seeing some faces over and over again. Mm. Um, so I feel like I went to several of those over the course of like two years before I then got on their board. And it was also oh, a wow. really great way to then have that leg room where as a, what was I, 25, 26 year old, I was in a boardroom and everybody else was relatively the same age. And it's not like there was a whole lot of hierarchy. We did have a president and treasurer and right. whatnot. But it was also like, you know, the stakes are really low if you're going to voice an opinion. And so being able to start kind of figuring out how to carve my way into those conversations and uh, share my opinion and get comfortable being able to push back and things like that um, with peers was was a very valuable experience. So I feel like that really took me from being very closed about what I wanted to share with people about my thoughts and ideas to having a little bit more confidence to be like, no, I really think it should be like this, or this is what I'm seeing. And I, I know you're seeing something else, but I feel really strongly about that, like okay. being able to exercise that. Switching gears. Okay. Obviously you've been very successful thus far. And as a sidebar, I really wanted to point out that you're just very smart person, okay? <laughs> For lack of a better description, from physics to product management to real estate, I'm very <laughs> impressed, okay? So, but, you know, switching gears, can you think of a time that you failed and tell the listeners what you learned from that experience? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the... One of the occasions on which I failed was when we did start looking to raise money for the first time. Uh, this was mid-2017, and I had never done this before. I didn't know what the expectations were. You start learning about the different types of capital, which up until that point I was like, I thought <laughs> it was all relatively the same, which it's totally not. Okay. Um, but you start learning the differences between angel groups and VCs and people who are willing to do seed funding and basically who's willing to take what risks, knowing that you only know so much at a certain stage of the company. Um, and I went through an accelerator at uh, Ben Franklin Technology Partners, and that was it was really great. It was very in-depth. We covered so many bases from the mission and vision of the company to 
things like product market fit and getting really deep into financial modeling. And I, the end of the accelerator, I had applied for funding at Ben Franklin and was not selected. Um, there were a whole bunch of things that were falling in line with that at the time. But I think one of the biggest things was that our financial modeling was still a little iffy and they were really pushing me to make it much more detailed, make all of our assumptions very well outlined and have this big dynamic elaborate Excel file and spreadsheet to be able to say, okay, well, if our unit cost is going to be $25, this is what our financials are going to look like. But if we make it $100, this is what it's going to look like. And I agonized over those documents, trying to get them perfect so that I would be able to have a chance at this money. And at the end of the day, like the timing of the money didn't work out and we didn't get funding from them. But I went through all the trials and tribulations and now our pro formas are really great. Um, okay. But I, I was very like devastated at the time <laughs> that, right. that it wasn't in good enough shape at the, at, at that moment. But did it, so what I'm hearing then is you learn how to go back and improve your financials. Yes. Okay. It sounds like you have to be, I don't know how to even like, like a finance whiz, a marketing whiz, um, you know, obviously you have to have knowledge about the actual industry you're getting mm -hmm. into. And that has to be very stressful on anyone, regardless of whether they're 20 something or 30 something, or whether they are a seasoned professional starting a business for the first time. I mean, right. how can you expect someone to know all of those things? So you can't. <laughs> yeah. But the, so, you know, I commend you for what you did, but I think that we all have to sort of experience a bump in the road or a setback in order to do better. Mm -hmm. Because if everything's always yes, or not really learning, right? right. Okay. Right. Um, so just about to wrap up here. And again, Stacey, I can't thank you enough. Um, I would really like to just get some final words of wisdom from you in terms of advice for students or really anyone for that matter who might have a great idea, right? A great idea for a business, but they're too scared to go for it. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them? I would tell them to first start putting together a little prototype. If it's a sketch, if it's just fragments of a business plan, if it's just a small bit of code. Mm -hmm. I think putting together some seed of what this could be and then starting to share that seed of an idea with people who would potentially be customers, people who are professors in those areas that could potentially give you other perspectives on ways to develop that idea. Basically, having it become this conversation piece and a catalyst for finding more people and more resources to bring around it. I think that's that's uh, the best advice that I would I would give. Awesome. I hope everyone listens to what she's telling <laughs> you. <laughs> but no, that's wonderful advice. And again, I'm humbled that you agreed to join me today and share your knowledge, which is very, very vast. And I'm very impressed with you. Seriously, Stacey, thank you so much. And that. again, thank you to the people that are tuning in and listening. And until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Career Conversations with Kelly, a production of Drexel's LeBeau College of Business. 
Opinions expressed do not reflect the views of the college or university. We hope that you will join us again for our next episode.